It's not what we have that will make us a great nation. It's the way in which we use it. Of course, we are challenging nature itself. Delighted by views and sound. A breathtaking legacy of conservation that still enhances our lives. Welcome to summer, listeners of The Takeaway. We're all off in search of America this summer. It's part of a series we're going to be doing all summer long. America, you know, is a land of plaques and markers, historical overlooks, places of national pilgrimage from the splendor of Yosemite, the Grand Tetons, the Grand Canyon, to that white wooden front porch of the Ronald Reagan boyhood home in Dixon, Illinois. Or you can go to Forest Lawn Cemetery in Buffalo, New York, and see the graveside of Millard Fillmore, the 13th president of the United States. If you're in the Lower Peninsula of Michigan, standing at Old Mission Point, you can uh, read this inscription. You are now standing on the 45th parallel, halfway between the North Pole and the equator. This lighthouse, and it's a beautiful one there on Old Mission Point in Michigan, was built in 1870. Well, we are celebrating national monuments, and there's a nation of national monuments and parks to visit. You just have a few weeks of the summer to do it all. We're celebrating all across America by asking you to tell us the story of a place you love, well-known, or that rusty spot near the river where somebody found gold one time or struck oil or fought a battle. We want to pin your story to a map of listener monuments. We'll post everything online at thetakeaway.org. You can see it. Send us a picture if you like. We'll post that too. And if you prefer, name a monument you would like to see. Describe a place that needs one of those monuments, plaques, designations. We'll pin that on our map as well. Tweed Roosevelt, you've got a nomination of a place that should be a national monument, right? Uh, hello. Yes, I certainly do. And what would that be? Well, that's uh, Theodore Roosevelt's ranch site in North Dakota. Tweed Roosevelt, you are the great-grandson of uh, President Theodore Roosevelt, right? Yeah, that's right. Is it heresy to call you T.R.? Yes. It is heresy. I, I, I have a cousin named uh, Theodore Roosevelt the uh, fourth and fifth. Oh, he's so the they TR. get those. Yeah, no, no. All right. So let's just point out, not only are you the great-grandson of President Roosevelt, you're the president of the Board of Trustees of the Theodore Roosevelt Association. Thanks so much for coming into the studio. And tell us about this uh, boyhood home, which I read about, I think, in one of the many uh, biographies of your uh, Oh, sure. Uh, it's not his boyhood home. What, or his home. He... <laughs> He uh, became a rancher for a number of That's years right. out in North Dakota. Uh, and when his wife and uh, mother died on the same day here in New York, he was, needless to say, devastated. Uh, and he went out there to recover. But it turned out to be a place far more than a recovery place. It's in the badlands of North Dakota. It's absolutely gorgeous. Any, and if you're, any of your listeners who've been to any of the badlands will appreciate just how magnificent badlands are. It, well, an, an unearthly place. Unearthly. Like, like no place else in the world. Almost like a, a lunar landscape lunar, in places. Yeah, sort of. And there are those that are terrified of it and those that love it. Uh, if you're a military officer or an Indian trying to get across, they uh, didn't like it at all. Bad land across. And e- even if you were a, a rancher, this is not the most hospitable place to imagine, you know, growing tomatoes and uh, you know, harvesting beefsteaks. You know, right? uh, cows. You know, in most of the country, we talk about the number of cattle per acre that you would have on your farm. There they talk about the number of acres per cow. 
It's an interesting place. Billings County, which is pretty much the Badlands, part of it anyway, is the size of Rhode Island, but it only has 1,000 people. Hmm. And so it's a wilderness still, very much so. They, they only have one town. It has about 103 people in it. That's North Dakota for you. That's North Dakota. Describe how really experiences like this led your grandfather to develop this ethos, this, uh, this approach to the, to the American wilderness that was really at odds with what most Americans were were looking at. They saw the land as, as something to be owned, opportunity. Uh, it was all about economic wealth, natural resources. Uh, your grandfather saw something different in addition to all of that. Right. And, you know, the same people are around today. Maybe we'll talk a little about that, about the threats to this. Sure. But absolutely. I mean, Theodore Roosevelt, when he, he knew about the outdoors, he knew about wildlife, but he didn't really understand what was happening to our wildlife until in his middle 20s or late 20s, he spent the couple of years out in North Dakota. He saw the demise of the buffalo. He saw that elk were going. He saw the pronghorn. You know, he saw this. It's often called the cradle of modern conservation because it was there that he developed his ideas about what needs to be done. And the s- essential nature of his development of his ideas was a dual that there's a lot that needs to be preserved and and conserved. Uh, We were raping the country. Mm. We were digging up everything with no concern about the future, the problem of the commons. And he realized we had to save that or it would all be gone in a few years. But he also realized there were two kinds of land. There was the kind that should be utilized, forests, mines, so on, and the kind to, to preserve as sort of wilderness wild places. And it was clear to him that those were only a small percentage, but they were very, very important. And that's what became the national parks, whereas the other were the national forests and the BLM land and so on. And we're talking here about national parks and the light monuments and so on. But there is a, a solid line that can be drawn towards preserving this uh, natural legacy, this wilderness legacy, to America's historical <laughs> legacy as well. And I, th- I think of Roosevelt and his impulse to to, to, to preserve before we... We rush by someplace. Every time I see one of those plaques along the highway, as well as standing on the precipice of some spectacular cliff out in Wyoming, uh, and and it's really a legacy that, that comes directly from him. How heretical was it at the time as he tried to convince people to not sell their land but to give it to the government for free in a sense? Well, he saw that uh, there were many people and there were powerful people, and the people who had special economic interests in developing these various thing, various places. Uh, and he saw his job as convincing the rest of America that this was important. The Americans hadn't really thought about it. They thought that you know everything was available. But when things happened, for example, people uh, wanted to improve the Grand Canyon. Mm. You can imagine what that yeah. meant. Well, you go there, you, you know it needs improvement. You Absolutely. go, this dump, my gosh, it needs a couple of McDonald's. Fill it, yeah. fill it up. There uh, you go. Put put condos along the top the way they are at the edge of our coasts. Uh, Although you could say the very same thing about the Columbia River, which mm-hmm. has been improved to mm-hmm. the point that all the waterfalls are gone. It's been dammed exactly. from, uh, from top to bottom. So he managed to save some of them. And following presidents brought in more, but we have to conserve them. And there are still the same kinds of pressures on these places. We're not even talking about new ones, except in sort of general in this case. Uh, The same kind of people that want, for short-term economic gain, want to do something. And that is the case here. 
We have his ranch site. Uh, it's a beautiful spot. It's part of the Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which is in three pieces. It's in between the two other pieces. It's only about a couple of hundred acres. But we recently acquired what's called the viewshed, the land across right. from it. And that became national forest land. Uh, but uh, there are elements there that want to... Uh, destroy it, essentially. It's pristine. It's almost exactly as when T.R. was there. The cattle are there. What does it take? An act of Congress? Well, the uh, the, the short-term people, North Dakota is going through a tremendous oil boom. Right. And uh, so they, uh, uh, many people are losing sight, not just with this site, but others, losing sight of the fact that they should preserve some. You don't need oil wells on top of everything. So it's an echo of the history of your grandfather. Exactly. Boom times, uh, you know, making preservation take a back seat. So what they want to do, some of them, is build a road and a bridge over the Little Missouri River, which is where this is. Uh, this is truly a bridge to nowhere. They're talking about a bridge that's only for oil trucks, which would reduce the distance they have to go by 20, 30 miles or so, and to ruin one of the most wonderful places. The National Trust for uh, Historic Preservation listed it as one of the 12 most hmm. endangered sites recently. To put a truck over there that trucks will go over that no locals use. That nobody, you know, hardly anybody lives there, and anybody can cross the river anywhere. Well, an eloquent uh, defense of uh, making a monument out of right. Theodore Roosevelt's uh, uh, ranch that he had in North Dakota in his 20s. What's your favorite National Park when you travel around the United well, States. Well, so far Tweed. it's been Yellowstone. But let me go back to this for a second Quickly. because the uh, we want to make it a national monument. Only the president can make him a national monument. And that's T.R. made the first national monument. And what would be more appropriate than making his home where the cradle of, civilization, of uh, conservation is a national monument? So I asked President Obama in the Oval Office a month ago or so to do this, and he's certainly thinking about it. Uh, so that's our major effort, because the attacks on it right now, like a bridge and a mining thing, those are temporary. Maybe we can deal with them, but we need to protect this forever for our children and our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, generations on. And the only way to do that is to make it a national monument, or one of the ways to do it is to make it a national monument. Grandson of TR, and Obama great. takes your call. That's great. great. Grandson. That is great. Great-grandson, and Obama great takes your call. Tweed Roosevelt, thanks so much. Uh, he, of course, has a nomination for a place that should be a national monument. We want to know yours as well. Tweet, thanks a lot. You're welcome. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.